Hey there, everybody, and welcome. This is Tavo DRC of Tavo Creative Leadership and of TavoMentoring.com. I'm here just to discuss the continuing subculture that seems to duck and avoid being accountable that accuses, character assassinates, and then says it's a Christian ministry, and it is biased, many times misogynist, it's not very diverse, so it has a tint of racism. But I'm talking the good old boy subculture, which I now name not fit to be in the body of Christ in the men, because most men are not like that. Many Christian men are not like that. I wasn't raised around it, because I don't know if if you could relate to Jesus, that he was not ornery. He was not ornery, ducking, avoiding. He wasn't misogynist, biased, or controlling. And see, the thing about the basic good old boy subculture, be they good old country boy or they good old country club boy, which they are, then you're going to find there is an element of false authority. And that's the big thing. It's always accusation false authority and distancing which seem to be the same fruit over and over of immaturity also of self-will and maybe being raised mama's big boy can do no wrong daddy and mama say you know boys will be boys so we're confronting that because it is a controlling spirit it is loose in our land and calling itself a christian but not bearing the fruit thereof. You know, my dad was so the opposite. He was such a gentleman, such a one-woman man, not a womanizer and not a charlatan, not a controller, but really equal opportunity, really respectful for everybody. And he let people be themselves. And he was a Christian pastor, but he was mature and not religious. He wasn't squeaky clean, but he was just like a normal, natural person that you want to hang out with, eat lunch with, or, you know, fellowship with, because he had joy. He had mirth. He had a mischievous sense of humor, but he was very common sense, and he liked people. He respected them, and he represented God to me just by watching him. And it wasn't his words as much as how he, I watched him role model Authority. I didn't have to be taught to have, oh, do not do this, you know, all that type of thing. My mom was more the disciplinarian of the, almost like the whelm kind at one point. Now, then she sees and met the Holy Spirit. We were, you know, we were not raised. Here's another thing. The culture. Surely there are denominational good old boys, but the subculture that has been my nightmare for lack of love, lack of relationship, or even understanding good scripture, holy fear of the Lord, it seems to be the charismatic or tongue-talking, spirit-filled, country-raised, back-under, passed-down tradition. And because I am their sister, I can love them enough and be like Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend I am. If you would let me near to chat with you and respect me as a person. Here's the weird thing. You know, I respect everybody. I respect everybody equally. I always have. I haven't playtimed with ministry, tried to push myself or speak out a turn. I've been the opposite. And at the same time, this culture spies me with their demonic, whatever witchcraft spirit they have, 
to control and it is a cultish thing the good old boy type systems where either it's like they always peg others that are not like themselves they will not speak but they say oh it's like an you know something coming to undermine a Jezebel they get this look on their face and I've studied it because I am sort of like I was raised on Perry Mason black and white reruns with my mother and I noticed from a young age and as a prophet later man it does pay to really just sit there and observe and see what they do so we can see what they do and what they choose what they don't do and I'm I'm not looking for trouble but these things find me I can be sitting there innocently with a lot of things because I have see the issue is they don't believe a female these white ones not all of them but the well they do not believe a female deserves respect they don't believe that she a she has the head authority to be the office especially if there's no man beside her well, you know in this ministry I have done this with the Lord married or not married even though I invite people to go all my life it was either oh we can't we don't want to or we're too busy or we can't afford to so therefore I got used to it and God must have wanted me this sister in the Lord to be there so that it would test the people how they react when they see a lone female and I was never looking for it but I never thought you know when you go grow up as a Christian with real Christians I'd been with black Christians and white Christians I'd never met anything but respect I mean most Christians down deep denominationals black people to me African Americans Vietnamese Hispanic Asian they've just been as polite as you want I mean I would not note anything except their respect and that I have favor with them so that's what plus being raised generally very respected and around respectful kind of people the other kind when you bump into these it sticks out like a red flag so God must have needed me to understand the fruit of these kind of movements so therefore I am there I was there I guess you case stealth but you know that sounds like you're looking for trouble no not at all it's a spirit and I attract it like a lightning bolt it is like I trigger it so if it's not there it's not there when I go visit a black church tongue talking or not it's not there when I go to the grocery store it's not go when I go to a Baptist a vineyard which is spirit-filled word of faith unless they've been hanging out with this kind of charismatic and they're full of themselves there are when they mix down at the grassroots that does get on word of faith certain ones but I'm not saying it's the top people you know these famous top people like word of faith like vineyard like any kind of Baptist anybody they have no control or not any idea of what those people take and trade on their name and misuse their words and scripture and add their own error or their own lack of caliber of honor and respect or they add their buyer because all the people on TV usually what I look at really appear to have the real deal 
and they treat their wife and all people of all colors with respect, or I wouldn't deal with them. So the idea is it's a lack of humility as well. Lack of scholarliness of what is bias, racism, misogyny, gender bias in the Christian New Testament sense. What is the difference between the old Tommy Law that Mama and Daddy said, or the old spiritual grandfather said, All right, boys, you know those women, those weak-willed women, and, you know, those women that Jezebel lore, you know, that vixen, the harlot Jezebel with painted lips. <laughs> She'll take you down, boy. She'll dominate. Remember those stories that poor, pitiful, henpecked Ahab. Oh, yes, that that mean, witchy woman. That's the whelp. That's the whelp thought, right? That mean, witchy woman. She's coming to get all the <laughs> So I found out that certain groups are predisposed because <laughs> of how they were born, raised around such. I was not. I was a Baptist. I wasn't raised back under the law or legalistic or that women were to be controlled because they were so prone to be out of order. You know, wives stay, you know, that wasn't raised around. That's just plain old country old-timey so it it really gets my attention as a red flag as a doctrinal noble Berean noble Berean theologian it really does because here's why it affects Jesus Christ people it affects the relationships it respect it it creates disrespect demeaning belittling dominating and demanding even using even us against them bias withstanding in certain against females i've seen it because i have been to the deep southwest i didn't know all this until i went down there lord per capita it must be the mecca haven for the whelp chauvinist i cannot tell you all right so even though i care a lot for all kinds of Christians, whether I believe what they believe or not, I'm for all colors. I'm not for anything that would hurt Jesus Christ's name. And I'm not for anything that would hurt a relationship or somebody seeking the Lord. Do you realize if you could do this to a mother who's paid the price and her husband's been abusive and she's there with the children to get away or, you know, to hear God and get strength. And you take it out on her, your foul, demonic witch-watching, which you're, pre you're really predisposed to do. This spirit is bad. If you have that white patriarchal, you know, all women are beneath us. All women are, are you know, we're able to use them because that's our priority. We're elite. You know, we're entitled. If you're of that really foul Eli Templeite priesthood. Better watch it. This is not the old mama's move, daddy's move, man's move, anybody's move. It's the Lord's move, and he is not settling for second, third, and fourth hand servanthood like he used to. He's not. So I didn't know I was on this trail to just, you know, to, to discover this and then study the doctrine. 
what I found is it's like that old book. Remember the book they talk about the art of war, study your opponent. Well, I call it the art of whelp. Western European Levitical Patriarchism, <laughs> study your accuser. <laughs> He's my, they're my accusers. The spirit on them. So like I said, I was, I never was raised around it because I wasn't a charismatic prophetic or a Pentecostal growing up. Then when the Holy Spirit moved in America and I was a Jesus person and I asked for the Holy Spirit, I still didn't know about it. Nothing. I mean, it was all peaceful, happy. So I'd been in ministry many years, out with the public ministry of racial harmony, many pastors, all sorts of things in Central Virginia. And then all of a sudden, you know, doctrines with TV, fame and growth of whatever commercialism, but also doctrines, movements started and they came into my town with this new, I didn't know about it until I was with, you know, you go worship and you go try them out for the sake of the Lord, because you love the body, You're, you know, you want to refer people to them if possible. And so I didn't realize that I would be diagnosed from this deep south coming up from Florida, this false teaching where uh, your look, they won't talk, but your look will, they'll diagnose you because they're so skillfully searish. You see, this is crossing a line, a huge line for if it's Jesus that would condone this, approve of this, does it reflect his character, his nature, his humility, or is this plain old bias, demonic, psychic, occult, false teaching? And so I was, I was not young in Bible scholar experience. I knew the Holy Spirit, but I was not prepared that I could be looking out for false teaching. I always have. I always said, Lord, keep me from being in error. And so I was looking for it, but not in the fact that I was, you know, because I was younger then and they were older. I thought, I didn't realize that this was a bunch around America, a huge bunch in many networks, that they kept track of you everybody and then either diagnosed you as being unsubmitted to their false teaching, unsubmitted to their way, even if you were quiet and respectful, which I am. See, isn't that, let's put it this way, isn't that a bit off to not speak to somebody, no one to relate, just want to either own them, get their tithe, or say they're the big person on can you know in the area they're under me or i need i have the evil eye i diagnose you as unsubmitted and then they talk to their cronies who are all like that oh yeah they're unsubmitted so i went through the, i passed through that and so have many 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 others and i wrote ode to whelp and i'm addressing this culture because that is old move this is no part of future church. It is an outlaw culture now for a Christian. You can't help the other kind of good old boys that aren't saved. You can help the good old boys that are and not be good old boys, but be gentlemen. That day, that old-timey lore, false teaching, passed down tradition, and also accepted toleration because you're elite is gone. It's, it's all... That is... 
so un-New Testament church. I don't see anything like Apostle Paul, Jesus Christ, refusing to relate, not being easily entreated and respectful, and then not submitted to God's whole counsel of these two following verses. You know, I, you know, when they're at their, when they're trailing you and you know, <laughs> they're looking for church hoppers, looking for unsubmitted, which I track that because I look unsubmitted. <laughs> so I've had, that's from the crazy manic point of view, that kind of weird polarizing doctrine. But from a Baptist, a real normal Christian, black person, you're quiet, respectful, minding your business, observing the boundaries of their leadership. While you're there, you're submitted to their rules, and then you leave your own turf. You don't have to be famous to deserve respect. You don't have to have your mean look on to be You shouldn't have to, but you do with these. That's what I am. I'm not mean. I've not been mean, and I think they think they can take advantage of me or something. So I had, in Dallas, I had to get my drill sergeant on. But I also learned, this is, the Lord had said, you know, he sent me at 24 to study the body of Christ 45 years ago. And he, I didn't know what I would see. I had no plan to find anything but good. He said, I want you to study the different kinds that believe the Bible that are really true, black and white, all colors. And one day I'll have you build bridges of understanding and unity at the end times. Well, now it's the end times. I didn't know some of this stuff is very, very detrimental to fellowshipping. It is hugely anti-Hebrews 10.25. And ironically, the submitted kinds, those that are, everybody's, you know, we're checking you out. Are you submitted? Especially a woman, a white woman. <laughs> and then they won't talk to you, but they'll tell everybody you're not submitted. So, it's misogyny, it's lack of love, it's ornery, and it's also, is it superior, all-knowing, and a culture of entitlement? So when I look around at all the other Christians that are men, white, black, and brown, I don't see that, except in this one style. So when I was told by the Lord to study the body decades ago, it was not until the 90s 91 where I got into this subculture where I started to discover the wealth and it had moved to town and had good worship, good music and see I was, when I've traveled around the body until now, until now, I was usually under great hell on earth and my private backstory so that made it even more sensitive if people were like they don't know what's going on you're not telling them you're being persecuted, abused all this stuff, given the silent treatment for days, and you're, you know, you got a lot of pressure, and yet you still have a ministry, you got your children, you teach piano, do all that you're loving. So you don't tell people your backstory when you go because they're not your close relatives or friends. So instead, you go to get with God to help ease the pain and get more peace and understanding from the Lord, and you go into these false teaching groups and they. It's all about them. And they say, oh, look, 
she doesn't look like we approve of, you know, he or she, oh, they, they must be up to something. So I attract it that way, but I also know that I am a French Huguenot background with English that is far more diverse, and I have a lot of rhythm. I'm not a stoic. I have a merry heart and a pure heart, too. And if they wanted to know me, that they could find this out, they all they have to do is talk to me. But that's not their choice. That's their, But see, this is their way. <laughs> it's control. So it is up to them to decide what they do, to be respectful and loving or not. And it's up to me to decide what I do. And I don't need to go to a Friendly Fire Fellowship, but I can certainly learn to study my accuser because as I would be led by the Spirit, I'm led by the Spirit since every day since I was like 18. By God's grace, it's a wonderful gift, free gift. All right, so it's like you're led by the Spirit, like a, you know, and you don't know where God will say, go here, park there, take off, have fun, whatever, go worship, whatever. And so I just, that's how I was raised, even though we weren't charismatic. My family just were led by the Spirit. Presbyterian and Baptist and all that. It was just natural, fun. So then I would end up bumping into stuff both really good, really good at times. And then I'd bump into the weird stuff, not wanting to, but just thinking. And so finally the Lord said a couple of things. Through the years, he said, Tavo, when you're when I'm sending you someplace and you bump into something that hurts people or my good name three times or more, you're to train on it because I'm showing you what I see a lot more of. Whether it's their ripoff artists, con artists, users, biased, or whatever it is. Because if I go, I'm strong. I have no ulterior motive, not a sin spire, and I know that God is using, if I get hurt or abused, I have to forgive them, and I do that. But I also know that this is what they're doing, sadly, to many people, because the Lord said if you see it three times or more, you see only a little bit of what I see, and I've seen this stuff decades since the 90s, in many, many states. It's just pitiful. It's horrible. And it wasn't until I was in the last 15 years of Dallas locked in with every, you couldn't go any, no servant leadership in Charismatic. So I just could, I, that's when the online church started with great empathy for those in other areas and nations that were surrounded by the same kind of ordinary false doctrine and lack of love and aggressive accusing. Do we forgive them? Yeah. But because it's a subculture that's very popular and tolerated and enabled and accepted, on behalf of the future church and on many people, I'm teaching on it, like the Lord said. He also said to me the second thing, Tevo, don't take it personally, take it prophetically. I'm wanting you to see and even feel what other people feel, the everyday person. So I was an embed. I'm not now. Because toward the end, when I was in Dallas, I realized it, it's, it's, it's getting very difficult to attend a fellowship 
especially with all the cult followers and the culture that is trained to emulate the top founder, whether it's this one or that one, because they're just like inbred or they're all, there's a new Phariseeism and a blind spot because they've never really been around normal Christian. It's all fanfare and publicized and beautiful and you know, the click in the club and the media and all that type thing. So there's not a grassroots Billy Graham fear of the Lord background or something that is more weep with those who weep relationship oriented. That's what I found. Instead, we get pop psychology diagnosing. That's a whelp trait. I came in at one point I was broken hearted when I was first in the deep, deep south because I'd lost my love of my life. Later, I had lost my mother, but I just had, you're human. I wasn't destroyed, but you want fellowship. I didn't have family, so I went to the church, churches. That is when, sadly, I found the most horrible discovery nobody, w nobody wanted to hear because they were either... <laughs> They've heard it all before a thousand times, and you're just one more. Let's go fix you. We can't fix you fast. It was the fix them fast pop psychology groups. The same ones. Oh, they're fine. They're beautiful. Oh, yeah, they're sweet, and they're candy. But for real life, deep, unless you're in the whelp cult of submission, there's nothing that's really unique. I mean, it's like a cult. You have to play the, look the part, act the part, suppress your real self to be the part. And I can't. I just don't do that. I want to be organic. I can handle people that are different from me. So I found out what God was showing me, and He was showing me mass pop psychology in group after group after group, tons and tons of people who no longer know relationships. Jesus Christ is quoted in the shortest verse of the Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Why did He weep? He found out that his friend Lazarus had died and his two sisters were grieving. This is telling. Jesus knew probably as the Savior that it would be okay. Lazarus was going to come back to life, but still he was so full of empathy and human you know, compassion and caring. It upset him to see the grief that the two women were in. So Jesus wept with compassion, human compassion, all right? He didn't accuse the women of being weak-willed. Oh, you little foolish women, you overly emotional women. Oh, you, you know, pitiful, weak-willed, you know, women. He wasn't diminishing. He wasn't demeaning. He wasn't a misogynist. So he had compassion. He there's even a scripture in the New Testament. We are, it's a command. Weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn, not fix them, not move them. All right, now um, we got to hurry on to our next appointment. We got two, three more after you. We've heard you thousand. And it was mega country, mega groups. Oh, yeah, we've seen this before. Yeah, no, it's probably the diagnosis. You're probably got unforgiveness. It's always unforgiveness. 
you're hurt, you're wounded. Is that a sin to be wounded if somebody's tried to kill you? <laughs> tried to beat you up, molest you, rape you, lost your husband, lost your wife? No, but they make you feel that way. That teaching is so thick. Welp, I guess it's Theophosta Council. I don't know. So the idea is that I was like on my own. On my own because I am... I know what real ministry is. I know what real life is. I know what real human people are. You don't save, self-preserve yourself and accuse somebody's just lost their mate their whole life, their whole whatever they've lost or they've been through pain and suffering, and then say, oh, I know more. Uh, I'm diagnosing you. Uh, you've probably, you're just, unfor you know, forget it. You have unforgiveness baggage you are just wounded and overly emotional go to our four week fix you fast class and you'll be all right and those fix them fast class are everywhere so yes it's some good stuff it isn't all theophostic counseling but it is overwhelmingly solid thick that that is the first resource no compassion, no relationship. Diagnose you because we've heard it a thousand times. I'm so tired of hearing it. Yes, you're just one more. Send you over. And that is what I got out of it. It's horrible. It's just horrible. There is a balance. People can't listen to everybody. Sorry, story. Some take do take your energy, and it does take your energy, but it should be not like a commercial formula that everybody's... <laughs> it really got me... I wrote at the top of onlinefellowship.us, common doctrine, not back under the law, the ten relationships, Jesus and the pop psychologist, and um, Ode to Well. Those things were primarily from the last 15 years, 12 years of this. It's just been a discovery of whelp. Why is whelp? on my lips a lot now I'm trying to get past that I have gotten past it but it's time to clean up the doctrinal bath waters and these are the ones that own primarily the Holy Spirit and the spirit of prophecy spooky waters I am sent because I'm sent as an office apostle prophet all five I have to deal with this if I ever want to go sit in the worship or in the auditorium with the, this kind of crowd because they do have great worship usually and great teaching and move of the spirit many times it's the subliminal lack of love the artful dodging of manipulation which is like witchcraft to me and psychic reading that is the trouble and therefore I will not tolerate it I, I'm not angry with them I'm angry at the frustration of not being able to, that people are doing false teaching. But I'm thinking, I, I've got a call to do something and birth something, but I will not. This spirit has tried to murder me, literally. And it is a spirit of, of blackballing character assassination without one bit of respectful dialogue to find out who this person really is is she what they say or he said she said it's been a lot of so I just watch I've been falsely accused these I would name Alexander the coppersmith as my 
and I, I don't name names, but I would name this whelp move, this type, that are all victims, that are all projecting demonic evil eye, character assassinating, murdering people, you know, and not all of them, but a lot of it in all different states as the Alexander Coppersmith of my move. And I'm a future church person. So that is their choice. You know, so this is not going to pass. This is a confrontation of doctrine because, you know, there is a need to translate from a Baptist point of view of authority, a normal person's authority and their group's witch-watching kind of controlling authority, which is suppression intimidation and indoctrination with false occult inside. So when I teach submission, to me it's like I was raised. You walk into somebody's house, their ministry, you observe the boundaries, you're on their turf, you're polite, you don't take over, you don't lead, let them lead, do their thing, and then when you're out of there, you're you're back on your own turf. You're the boss, but you're not there. You just respect them and act in James 3.17 like the wisdom of God. You resemble pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit without partiality. And that's what I've always done every time. So like I said, I as, as Jesus triggered the religious Pharisees who are the hireling priesthood, the Edomite culture in the Pharisees. So something on Tavo. This Tavo triggers the whelp. And it does seem they have the same Pharisee nature of the system, money, promotion, and self involved. Now, just as there are no one size fits all charismatic surely they're different you know not all are like that but there is a giant national undercurrent when you get to the holy spirit of this and it is white and i am not a we centric colonial slave owner needing people to be have them under me no i am a galatians 1 1 and 2 Apostle Paul office apostle that says I am here with the brothers and sisters that are with me co-laboring I'm on the team Jesus Christ's greater team and I can I'm a servant at large to the body now I can have my own ministry and I can go to another church but because I have been around I'm on my own you know I have to really hear God I'm very careful now more than ever because of the evil eye, the scanning, these things that you don't normally note unless you're a prophet, seer, and you've been around. Because those things are like their doctrinal bathwaters, but they also are spirits. And they can leave a hook in you or a wound or a really oppression, suppression, even depression, if you're not careful. And I had to come out... When I had to leave something up here, a grand place, I didn't want to, but it was just, I'm not going to tolerate disrespect, and I will not tolerate occult. But when I left, it took me 
a long a while to because there are levels and different kinds of people involved. So I don't put anyone down, but I'm thinking this is a national thing in in the in many national moves. So we don't want this. God is not settling, in my opinion. He will not tolerate this witchcraft. This is witchcraft, charismatic witchcraft. If you're using false authority, false authority means I posture to control. I suppress by avoiding relationships to control. I use subliminal scanners to, to keep watch and monitor you because it's a cult. I'm not practicing 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. They're not practicing Ephesians 4, everyone walking in meekness and lowliness and long-suffering for community. No, this is divisive. It is self-protective, clannish, even cultish. And would I have ever known it had not the Lord taken me about? Because Baptists, black people, most people, spirit-filled included, do not, do not do this. If I were upset, is that I feel frustrated because I loved them. And I love the Holy Spirit, and that's my turf. But if I want to go toward the Holy Spirit and fellowship with these kind of, you know, because they really own the, they own basically the Holy Spirit moves of God in, in America. And if I want to enjoy, you know, be with the Holy Spirit in a corporate way, I would have to find one that doesn't have the occult scanning because I go in, I can go in a thousand places and everybody says, hi, Tevo, or hi, stranger, hi, because they're real Christians. But if I go in where the Holy Spirit's really good, wow, I really have to watch out because I know that spirit of whelp. And either, uh, uh, it's just, I know it, it'll avoid, I'll be avoided, I'll be, I've had reason I know about it in different, through the years, I've had people jump out at me, rebuke me without even knowing who I was or what I wanted. I was just standing there rebuking me for being unsubmitted to authority in Dallas as a stranger, quiet stranger. I've had people, um, when I'm sitting there in a big meeting and some whelp is the guest speaker, walk right by me and stand there and say, and God has put, you know, their secret Jezebels hiding in the audience sometimes, looking right at me. <laughs> I've had that more than once through the years. And then I've had, um, to me, the worst is the gossip. The chicken, weak. Why don't you talk to me? I think it has to do also maybe with fantasy. Playtime ministry. You know, there was a prophecy by Bob Buis in the 90s that was in Charismatic Magazine. And it said, it warned the church that a spirit of fantasy and entertainment was going to come to attack the church, which it has. But I think maybe we're, own, we're trending in our own minds, our gifts. We're such great prophets. We're such great seers now. We're so skilled. We don't need to relate. We're above human relationships. And we're so confident in ourselves that 
we don't need to communicate with the normal people. We're in our own world. You know, it's a lot of fantasy. And I think that plays a giant part in relationships. Big I, little you, demanding to be served, whatever this is. So this is doctrinal bathwaters issues which involved human people, their choices, their mistakes, and then who are they going to serve and who are they really representing in the future church. So I can go and I can sense right now, I can tell, oh, I'm not oppressed here. I don't feel that cult spirit. I can go on a big ministry's land now. And even if I'm at a coffee shop on their land, I'll feel that same cult spirit and I can't go. I'm not going to go where I'm oppressed because it is a cult spirit, not a holy spirit. This is it. Please be careful. You've got to be more careful. You've got to be more careful. This is not about you and your group. It is about Holy Spirit, freedom, and good teaching. So when I confront, it's for the sake of the body of Christ as a team. Who in the world do you know is teaching community the Bride of Christ getting ready for his soon coming, the Church of Philadelphia, brotherly and sisterly love and respect. Who's teaching that me? Why do I have to teach it? Because it's not being taught. Who's teaching we've already overcome, they overcame him, the accuser, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they love not their life unto death. That's Revelation 12, 7 through 11. Nobody. Why am I teaching it? Because nobody's teaching it. Why aren't we teaching it? They, way back when on the Isle of Patmos, John the Apostle foresaw the church being given back the power that was lost when the accuser came into the garden in Genesis 3 and Adam fell. He willfully participated. He started to accuse Eve. He started to model his father, demonic father. He had a father God. He chose the other one instead to please himself and his wife. So the Genesis 3 authority in the, in the gender of a male, may I add, was the accuser. It started this hell on earth fall, and then it accused God to Eve. It Adam changed, and he started to accuse Eve. Next generation, Genesis 4, the accuser was in the heart of the firstborn Cain who killed and murdered his brother Abel. That accuser's big. It's a power. It's a motivating negative force of wars and death, gossip, betrayal, condemnation, abuse, accusation. And then it was too bad Jesus hadn't come in the Old Testament, so they had to set up the law. They had to make prisons. They had to have sacrifices. They had to have people dead, stonings and things, you know, put them because of society, guarding it. Well, when Jesus comes in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he overcomes the accuser. When you invite Jesus into your heart, he gives you the Holy Spirit, the power of self-control back over your mouth 
of your actions. It gives you love, grace, peace, and joy. So Paul, excuse me, John on the Isle of Patmos saw the church being handed back the power over self-government. Not the law, but the power from within. And if you read the whole verse, Revelation 12, 7 through 11, it talks about the death, victorious salvation message and death and resurrection of Christ, which overcame, handed back the keys to the church to overcome him. Who's him? Satan, the accuser. They overcome him, the accuser, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. They love not their life under death. That's a relationship huge issue. So if we have fighting in society and the church has never even bothered to get the victory over its own tongue for gossiping, maligning, backbiting, formulas, putting people down, cutting people up, then no wonder it's mayhem. So we're putting some scriptures out with kernel teaching to motivate to springboard other people taking these scriptures and expounding them to make a difference for the future church. The future church is hear God, whether you're in a church, whether you have a church, whether you've never been to church, whether you're in a foreign land, do it. Be the church wherever. No formula. Be the church and do it without accusation, sincerely, sincerity, okay? So when I deal with good old boy culture, it is a culture, a subculture that's been tolerated and it's been promoted and women like it, women accept it because they are trained. They've been micromanaged through decades and generations to accept it without questioning. I'm not saying to be ornery about it, rebellious about it, impolite. I'm saying study your doctrine, study Jezebel, study all the things I've studied and know that it's not about you, it's about the Lord, but it's also time for New Testament church, not back under the law. Because I know, I really do know how they think about females. I think that's exactly why God chose me to be a representation to test their souls. Be that trigger. And that's okay. I wouldn't. Most men that I know are not like that. So you can trigger all you want to, but I'm telling you the truth. All right. So when I look at Apostle Paul, let's say I know it, they, you know, they can, because see, they've taught, misogynist has taught Adam and Eve incorrectly. They say, oh, it's the woman's fault, that weak-willed, usable, gullible, you know, that that dis easily deceived woman. We he-men, we don't do that. We're too smart, too brav, you know, full of brav bravado or whatever it is, machismo. No. Adam willfully participated. He didn't have to. Eve was deceived, but Adam willfully participated. All right. Then they go to Jezebel. Oh, that old pitiful henpeck, poor Ahab, and that dominating, 
mean vixen of a Jezebel, that woman, she did it. Read it. First Kings 16. Omri was the worst Baal worshiper that ever lived. He had been raised up under the law, but he was still the worst Baal worshiper that ever lived. He went over and asked for the hand of the king Ethbaal's daughter named Jezebel to be his bride, and she had not been raised or tutored around the law of the Most High God, the God of Hebrews. So therefore she was demonic, but he had he was in charge. He was the king. He didn't have to do it. He willfully participated because he wanted to. Then later when she caused trouble, he was causing trouble too. He was too weak-willed or too tolerating it or really didn't care because he was deceived in a fog. And so he let her stay. He should have kicked her out. You know, in the Old Testament, the law was, do not, and he would have known this, do not marry outside the Hebrew faith. Do not marry from the foreign nations, the foreign, foreign religions. He did. And he knew the law, so it was his choice. He willfully participated the same Adamic trait. So now we get over to the New Testament. Oh, we, I mean, I'm going to go to Eli and the good old boys. Eli and the good old boys priesthood. Boys will be boys. Women in song and money. All right. Then we go to the Pharisees, which come to trap Jesus, and they bring the woman caught in adultery. And see, everybody's heard that story, but I, because I deal with whelp, I teach, I've thought about it. Here comes a group of men, a cluster of men, and they throw the woman down at Jesus' feet. Typical, typical Eli priesthood, typical whelp. It's the woman's fault. They don't bring the man. Oh, the men get off, all right, because they're biased. So they throw the woman down at Jesus' feet to try to trick him to see what he'll do. So Jesus prays. You know, he's there with his writing in the sand, listening, as I believe, listening. Lord, what do you want me to say, and how do you want me to say it? So he's getting a little time to hear from God. So when he finishes, he looks at the men, the group of men, and he says, which one of you have never sinned, you cast the first stone. Because they were eager to kill her. Eager to stone her. All right? It is my opinion, I'm submitting to you, that Jesus, when he said that, that was an amazing reply. Jesus looked at this group of men, and he said, which one of you have never cast the first stone? And here they were trying to get a woman caught in adultery, murdered, to satisfy their bloodlust. When Jesus said that to the men, the whole bunch of them, he knew that within a bunch of men that large, somebody would have committed adultery, maybe more than once, maybe more than two or three of them. Somebody would have committed fornication or lust. So when he said it just like that, it hit them like a wall and they slunk off. And see, that to me is the epitome of misogynist, biased, Levitical patriarchism. That is the symbol of what we got 
we don't want for the future church. You know, in the past, for some reason, this has been allowed. It has not been taught. So the future church, it's time for everybody to walk, not just the women, the men too. So let us think on these things and pray, really pray, because it is hard. This is a vast, embedded, centuries old, maybe, and it's even a cultish cult, hyper-religious about it's got totalitarianism, a lot of it, the shepherding side. LP can be the most steel, not about community. It's not about, and it's mostly all white. It's not about Jesus and his culture. It's about them and their subculture. Why? Because I test it. If I am a very diverse person that's cross-body used, dealing with high and low, mega and micro, and it doesn't change, they're, they're all equal to me. I don't see big, it doesn't bother me. I'm not moved by their fame or not. Then I go in like a, not naive, but just as a normal walking off the street. And if that is there, that fake fascist spirit, it will recognize me and manifest. That's how I know. And it is huge. It is huge. You're going to need a miracle to get rid of that. In the meantime, I've taught it. I understand it. I'm going to try to move it over to Teammate University, teach on it some more when I get a word, because it brings out Phariseeism and accusation in the body of Christ. It's not a team member with the body of Christ, the whole body. It's a teammate for himself and its other whelm. And the whelm are the subservient matriarchs that are fierce, trained to be dedicated, loyal, and really are really pretty much my nightmare, too. I've never, I, I'm not a tough person, but their prejudice or their scanning gone wild, they'll start to just aggress me. The, the woman is the one that jumped me when I went at the front in Dallas in 2010 to I was grieving. Maybe that spirit loves to get you when you're down. That seems to be. They can't read you. They, they're With all their prophetic skill, they can't read you. <laughs> they can't read me. So you think, if they can't read a person who's sitting there in James 3.17, a sweet, nice person, friend, and they call you a Jezebel, then they're really like Isaiah 5.20. Whoa! To those who call people good, good. How can we believe they're real prophets if they can't even get it? A stranger, they call him an evil monster, Jezebel. A charismatic witch. So I pull back. That's why I pull back. So I had gone down to say hello, introduce myself as a new Texan and as a new peer, but 45 minutes away. So I waited till the service is over. I went down to a famous group, and it was Welp, and so I went, the head guy, the head apostle was not there, so I saw the, I saw his brother, the associate pastor, and I went just to say hello. Now, I've been in Virginia, and Richmond, thousands of ministers, you know, I mean, I've been around because I was invited to pastor's meeting, because I'm a, my own ministry, and I would say, hi, how are you? And that would be just like a professional, hi, you know, like a real normal person in a Christian sense. 
So I went up to introduce myself as normal. And I went down there not knowing it was whelp or the spirit is there. So I went to the front and I was about to say hello when the gentleman, whelp gentleman, wouldn't let me. He grabbed me by my wrist and he got my wrist a brand new stranger. He didn't know it was a peer, an elder. I was older than him. I don't think he got it. So I went there and he got my wrist and put my wrist in the arm of a waiting white woman who was a whelm. How do I know she was a whelm? A barking matriarch. <laughs> That's what they are. Because I was new. I was quiet. I'm their friend. They didn't know that. I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to say my name. I was about to introduce myself as a fellow minister. Instead, this short, ten years my junior probably person, whelp woman, she said to me, she says, you are not submitted and under authority. See, that's their favorite topic. Not God. Not high stranger. Oh, how are you, angel unaware? <laughs> it's like, it's about us. Mean. <laughs> So she said, you are not under authority. You're not submitted. And I had a board back then. I had a board. I was new. I was grieving at the time, frankly. I wasn't there for any sinister reason to be accused as a stranger. But see, this is God teaching me to teach them. God is using this to train from that. I get it. So the story goes, as I was saying, but but I have a board. I am under it. No, you're not. And she got louder and pointed to the seats. God wants you here to sit in those seats under our authority because you're not under authority. What does one do when marvels and talks to God? Lord. So I tried to, you know, not get into any kind of strife. But that is a sign that is a horrible fruit anti-relationship anti-christ that greets strangers friends of god and friends of them when we want to have the bride of christ is this the bride of christ or the pride of christ i don't know what we got going around these things so i just never went back it was depleting and draining but a sad sorry revelation of fruit of doctrine false doctrine all these things have had me given me skill a bit of skill look at how that was said to the stranger you are not under authority like that what have i done i was quiet so a scowl of false doctrine. If they have false doctrine, they're going to scowl. A frown of false doctrine, a scowl of Phariseeism, because you've never heard anybody say, Oh, hi, stranger. Hi, new person with a scowl, because they're genuine. But if they have bias, they're going to have a dark scowl. Isn't that funny? So scowls are the first fruit to look for the fault finding fruit and then how they treat respect people or not
male or female, mothers in Christ, fathers in Christ, young and old, black and white, brown. So this is the big, I mean, it has been a mega learning curve, and it has been a lot of time given to this for these times we're in. And I'm, I'm trying to get more online fellowship to be less whelp and that type of big stuff. I'm trying to get it over on TavoLeader.com and on Teammate University, that type of thing, so I cannot have the heavy, heavy topic of misogyny and all this stuff that goes on. So that should start as soon as I can, but every time I think I've, you know, every time I, I want to quit, I get another topic from the Lord like this. So that's why I'm doing it. Anyway, God is good as mercy endures. I do have, if you need podcasts, I usually put these same ones up in the form of an audio over on anchor.com or it's anchor.fm. So if you look at my podcast, it's noble Christ following, like the noble Berean, you know. So it is anchor.fm slash noble underscore Christ following. Excuse me, noble together and then slash Christ following. So we're doing it for the body of Christ to train people for the move of God that's on now. Amazing. God is good. His mercy endures. He's not a misogynist. Jesus is not a misogynist. Paul is not a misogynist. Eli was a misogynist, but not our maker, our master. He loves everyone equally, and he sent his son to die for us all, and I hope we're all going to make it. You know, back in the last few years with ministry, I've really been concerned a lot more for the preachers than the people because I feel like a lot of them are full of it and they just are like Matthew 7 23 when Jesus rebukes the lawlessness and he says to many who said but Lord didn't I prophesy in your name didn't I lay hands on people and cast out devils in your name Lord do signs and wonders in your name and the Lord says, Depart from me, you who work lawlessness. I never knew you. I looked up lawlessness. It can mean iniquity. But it also means, it means false authority. You who move in false authority in your training, in your modeling, in your actions. So I noted when Jesus rebukes that group, for being lawless, moving in false authority. It's the spirit-filled tongue-talker book of Acts kind. You prophesied in my name, it says. You laid hands on people. You moved in, you know, the wonders and signs. You did all these things. But you really didn't have my fruit, fear of the Lord, love, compassion. You didn't even have the motives that were right. You just sort of thought it was cool or just got off in your false training and your ego. So I'm talking straight because I want everyone to make it and not have an Eli, Eli Temple priesthood cleansing of an Ichabod. And that's what I got. Before I end, I'm going to say this. In 2019, I was very, very concerned for ministers, especially the whelp kind.
It was the it was the tongue talker kind. I have never seen anything like it. I knew it was blocking our nation. Maybe that's what's so bad and lawless in DFW. That was a huge area, huge religious area of a lot of things, control and legalism. So, in 2019, before COVID, I had a impression from the Lord on the 16th of September of 2019. I was to read the book of Acts, chapter 2. Well, I know that chapter. And I could picture, you know, oh, it's about the rush of a mighty wind, the, the Holy Spirit and the 120. So I went to obey the Lord. I read through Acts 2. And when I read to the part where it's the rush of a mighty wind, the word sort of changed. And it said a flush of his mighty wind. It was like the Lord was saying there's going to be a flush of his wind that would that would purify and refine the character of Christian ministry. There would be a coming flush that would continue. wouldn't just be one thing. It would be ongoing to refine and purify the character and hearts of his ministers. Who would have thought? I wrote it. I put it up on my websites. But who would have thought of COVID? When COVID came in March... And they shut down everything. All I could do was think of, that's right. God needs to reboot his church. Some of these churches, he needs to rebuke, he needs to reboot them because it's his church, not theirs. It's his church, not a system, not an accuser legalistic form. It is his church. It's not about making money. It's not about being over. It's not about being elite. It's about him. And so then it continued and has continued and has continued. And then it also reminds me of the words I had gotten in Dallas for the body. It was Obadiah, the Edomite priesthood, warning. Because when the Edomites who were after Esau, the carnal priesthood, the hireling in it for the money, when it turned out, the scholar that I read found out that the Pharisees who harassed Jesus, the impure Pharisees, were Edomites, the subculture of Edomite hirelings in the priesthood of Jesus' day. A few were remnants, like John the Baptist's father was a priest, but he wouldn't like that. But the majority of them were hirelings. So was Herod, who murdered the babies, an Edomite, a hireling. The other one besides Obadiah is this, Isaiah 1 through 10, the whole chapters. It's a story about God's leaders of his people, not the foreign nations, his people. And it says that three things basically were blocking the move of God, which would keep their necks so strong with his anointing, Isaiah 10, 27, that the yoke-breaking anointing of his Holy Spirit power would make their necks so fat that no fierce Assyrian nation could come and wipe out their culture. That was chapter 10. But the first part, Isaiah 1 through 3 and 520, were the parts that were blocking it. God sent Isaiah, the national prophet, to warn God's people, his leaders. He said, it's your little g-gods. It's your false teaching. It's your vanity 
and he mentioned women too. It's your vanity. All these three things are blocking my move. Isaiah 5.20, they were combining to make the leaders, including prophets of that day, his people. Woe. Woe to the, those who call good evil, evil good. And that is going on now. I've lived through it. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. If you go in as a pure-hearted prophetic woman, an office with no fanfare, no entourage, and they don't know you, you are pegged by misogynist witchcraft that you are a devil if you're white, by white. They call, this is the this is the insidious or the evil calling people good of an office prophet. It's dangerous for them. So we're telling you plainly watch out and warning you. Calling good evil. You know, I don't, here's the thing. They're so elite, they've arrived. They don't know. Other people have their gift. They just don't have to be in their, they are not recognized. God uses all kinds. It's a system of checks and balances that he puts seers just and prophets anywhere he wants to in the to keep a check and balance this because it ain't all about on stage and it's not all white or all black. It's all colors. It could be anybody. I already met someone in Carrollton years ago that was sent like this, but it, it, it's rare. But I think it's about Holy Spirit. It's about ego. It's about pride. It's about being superior. It's about We've arrived and attained, and Paul never attained. It's about misogyny. It's about a big culture, a big culture that's quenching the Holy Spirit, that's blocking it, that has a lot of money involved. It's a big ministry culture that is not going to be allowed to permeate and own the wells and also the hearts of God's people, cult followers. So I'm submitting this as a sila with the love of Christ in my heart. And I'm submitting it in James 3.17, easily entreated if you disagree. I'm in submitting it as a sila, not dogma, but it's for only if any shoe fits should you wear it. This is Tavo D'Arcy, Dr. T, signing off for now. God bless you. He loves you. Bye-bye.